Boy, fucking, how are ya? It's Aiden Jones. You listen to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the 16th of Janario, 2024. Janario, what do we think of that? Was that. <laughs> did I need to say it like that? Ugh. Hope you're good, man. I'm not sick anymore. I fucking fought through it. I deny, 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 deny. I was like, I'm not sick. I'm just, you know. I'm just feeling a bit under the weather in the last five minutes. <laughs> it's, yeah, I don't know what it is. It must have been a weird gust of breeze. <laughs> you know? And no one around me said anything and I didn't admit it to anyone. And, and, and you know, now here we are. <laughs> Fuck. I don't know, mate. Whatever. I've still got a cough, but hey, hey, that's the past feel like I'm a bit of a dog there. Um, man, I just wrote a joke. Do you want to hear it? I wrote it today in my, uh, I did a tour today and, uh, I wrote this joke and I said it to the guy, I had like a guy on a training day and towards the end, lovely dude, really cool guy. Actually, I was digging his vibe and towards the end of the day, I was just like, oh man, I wrote a joke. Do you want to hear it? And he was like, yeah. And so I told him this, my friend told me that, um, they had attempted suicide that's true. And I was like, you know, obviously I get it. I mean, I've been doing stand-up comedy for 12 years. I've obviously thought about killing myself a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> so don't worry about like freaking me out or whatever. It's okay. I understand. Um, And I thought, you know, I think stand-up comedy is actually a lot like suicide because before you do it, you have an idea of how you want it to go, but really there's no telling how it's going to actually work out. And if it doesn't go to plan, all your friends and family is going to be really worried. (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) Yeah. Um, and then as a tag, I don't know, something other silly, like, you know, immigrant parents hate it. Um, or no matter how important you say it is, you're never going to get your dad to come and watch. (laughs) Something like that as like another silly tag, you know, you know, ring a bit out of it. I think I want to do that story. That story that I really hummed and hawed about telling a few weeks ago about my friend and how I thought she was going to kill herself when I was on mushrooms and I went to her house and and then I was like, oh, I shouldn't reveal it. It's private stuff. Well, you know what? I think I'm going to start doing comedy about it. So I'll just make it a bit more vague, whatever. It'll trim down in the joke. I think I want to tell the story about how I went there and then in the morning she got a message from the, oh no, she got the police knocking on her door saying, hey, just checking if you're trying to kill yourself. And then at the end of the joke, I'll be like, by the way, not sure if this is relevant, but I did take mushrooms that night and that'll be, you know, I'll reveal that and I reckon that'll be funny. And that's how comedy works. So that's nice. I did, um, fuck man, the last week, oh God, this fucking week in Sydney, God, did I bomb. 
I was bombing up a storm in Sydney. I was fucking, it was 9-11 for comedy in Sydney. I need to go to the music store. Just like, so I brought my piano up and I brought my pedal. And on Tuesday night, I did the store gig and it was great. And then I went and did the running joke. And I think I did. Yeah, I did. I did the podcast after that, didn't I? When the mic, when the... The pedal had fucked up. And I was like, all right, I hope that's just better now. And then I did the show on Wednesday night and it was fine. So I was like, I don't know what's wrong. It was fine. I checked it when I got back and it worked. And then I did the show on Wednesday and it worked. Then I go... um, Thursday... And I do the gig at the store on Thursday. And it was not only was it fun, it was great. I, that was my best set of the week, I reckon, Thursday at the store. But then I go to the second gig Thursday and the pedal fucks up again. So I'm like, all right, let me try. My friend who I'm staying with, she has another electric keyboard. So I try it with that and it works. I'm like, okay, I guess my keyboard's fucked and it must have broken when that motherfucker knocked it on the floor. But also it's kind of my fault for leaving it in a dumb spot and then a guy knocked it on the floor and whatever, right? So I'm like, okay, the keyboard's fucked. That's annoying, but whatever. So I take my friend's keyboard with my pedal and I go and do the other gig. I I go and do my mate's gig in Bondi first and it works fine. Great. Then I go to the store. The pedal stops working at the comedy store on a Friday night in front of fucking, I don't know, 150 people. And I just try and do my set. And not only that, but because I had done another show first, I was on later in the show and the person who was on before me was the great Lou Wall, who, would you believe it, was doing musical comedy and fucking annihilated on a pretty rough show like people weren't doing well Lou went on and fucking destroyed with this song about a guy who was buying a mattress off a Facebook marketplace and he was just being a dick and then ended up going to the wrong house and basically stealing someone's bed (laughs) it's really funny it's just a bunch of text sets of music it's awesome she they destroyed they destroyed at the store and then I went up after him ready to do my musical comedy sucks gear also and then play Chopin's Nocturnity Flat Major without the pedal and it just oh it was the worst it was the worst oh and 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 a girl that I'd been hanging out with all day I had a lovely day hanging out with this lady who I met And we just, you know, like on Wednesday, we had an awesome day together. And I was like, maybe there's a chance we might kiss, do some kissing. Um, Wasn't a kind of thing where I was like, we're going to be together or whatever. But I was just like, she's cool. You know, I'm here and she's here and we're both leaving town. And so it might, but it might just be like a nice thing. And then she's come to see my show on the Friday night. She's come alone. That's great. All of this stuff. And then I go on and I just have the fucking worst set in front of her. So here's how it went. I go on stage. 
and I've already checked a bunch of times and the keyboard, the pedal's not working. Now, it wasn't working on Thursday night either, but then when I walked on stage, suddenly it did work. And that was why my set went so well on Thursday. It wasn't working and it wasn't working and it wasn't working. And then I fucking left it and I was like, I guess it's not going to work. And then I walked on a stage, pressed the keys and put the pedal down and it worked. And I was like, oh my God, fuck yeah, amazing, it's working. And that energy, you know, brought me into the mood of just a great set and I just destroyed from then. So Friday, I'm hoping that happens. I walk on a stage, I try it, it doesn't work. I'm like, great, the pedal's not going to work. I'm in a really bad mood because I've tried my friend's keyboard. It shouldn't not be working. But somehow, you know, it's I'm just like, I'm now in the worst mood imaginable. And also, I have to follow like... Everyone backstage was laughing because they were like, oh man, you're about to go on and say musical comedy sucks after someone's just had the best set of the night doing musical comedy. And I'm like, not only is that hard, but that I would fucking, this sounds like whatever, but I would relish that challenge if I fucking had. This is what put me in the worst mood. The pedal wasn't working and I knew it wasn't working and I was excited to have that challenge if the pedal was working because I reckon I could do it. But without the pedal, what I learned this week about the set that I've been doing is it needs the pedal because when people hear the piece without the pedal, when they hear it with the pedal, it's spellbinding, it's beautiful, it's an incredible piece and it, the beauty of it can just, can just, you know, be present and people can witness it. <coughs> but without the pedal... Not only is it not beautiful and they're not captured, they also don't understand what's missing because they have no idea, you know, why would they understand what's missing? So they just go, oh yeah, that's it. It's pretty impressive. He's playing piano. And not only do they not understand, the other comics on the fucking lineup, they don't understand either because you have to play it without the pedal and then immediately with the pedal to show someone what it is that's missing. So I fucking go on, you know, knowing that the tool that I need to do the set that I'm going to do. And by the way, I'm furious that I've even allowed myself to be fucking dependent on some bullshit, like a fucking piano and a, pe you know, like, ugh, I'm just disgusted with myself. I go on, it's not working. I open the set as I regularly would. I do the thing about, you know, musical comedy sucks and I can see them kind of getting on board. And then as soon as I get to the piece, I go, by the way, the pedal's not working anyway. Here's the piece. And one person in the audience, I've realized, plays classical piano. And he goes, oh, my God. Oh, my God, you're playing Chopin without the pedal. And I'm just like, I know. As I play, I'm just like, I know, dude. I know. And everyone else is just like, okay, I guess this is happening. And nothing, you know, whatever. It was just nothing happened. The, the punchline didn't hit. And I was like, you know what? That didn't work, but I've been thinking about trying to play it in a kind of jazz style, and so I do that. And that's kind of interesting, but I don't have anything planned after that, and there's nothing funny, so I just play it, and people are like, oh, cool. <laughs> and now I'm just bombing. <laughs> it's so... <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this. this. I'll pull this off my phone, and I'll fucking put the set at the end of the podcast. <laughs> So I'm like, fuck this. I just abandoned it. I'm like, I was going to do some other shit at the end of this, but I'm not going to because it's not going to work. 
So instead, I'm just going to do something else. And I just go into a bit of regular stand-up with just a bit about how I've been fired from 14 jobs in my life. And in the middle of the bit, when I go, you know, it hurts to get fired, I just turn around and I get down on the floor and scream at the pedal, but not as much as it hurts when your pedal fucking fucks you. I'm just screaming at it. And I scream so loud that I fucked my voice <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like everything's going on in my head like I'm bombing that's annoying I fucking I didn't get the chance to test myself in a situation where I would have been really interested to see if I could pull off the set after Lou had just destroyed with musical comedy before me also this girl is here who I'm trying to impress and she's watching me and I'm like well I'm not gonna not do what I feel like but I'm also just scared about what she's gonna think and yeah, it just it was all fucked and then I went off stage, I bombed, you know, and, and then the headliner was like, hey, man, you know, you did your best. And I, that, that killed me more than anything because I was like, you don't even know that I didn't do my best because I didn't get to do my best because my fucking pedal didn't work. And you don't even understand what it means. Like, if, you, if I said that to you, you would just think, oh, you're just, that's sad. You're just blaming your tools. But it's like, no, man literally no and you know the person who does understand fucking lou wall because <laughs> they're a musician and they're the person that i'm about to go on stage and say musical comedy sucks after oh god the mc was so kind and he sat there and listened to me just vent and he really listened and and i think eventually i was able to like have him understand and then he told me a story about how he was on a cruise ship and did a gig to an audience that normally they've seen him do an hour, but they haven't seen him do this hour. So he can't do the other good material, but he, you know, he just, he, he told me a story of a time when he'd been in a similar situation when an audience were watching him just trot out his kind of B material without knowing. And he just had to kind of stand there for an hour and take the bomb. And that made me feel better. Comics are good, you know, at making, you tell the other comic a fucking shitty story of when you've been in a similar situation and it feels better and it pulls you out of your feeling sorry for yourself bullshit. And then, right, I get off stage and me and this girl for the first half had been sitting together and then I go off stage and I go to see where she's at because I'm like, I'm going to go say hi to her and, you know, whatever. And she's not there. And I'm like, oh my God, she's left. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I've bombed so bad and it's so humiliating that she, and I'm just, I'm, I'm in my mind thinking like when I screamed at my pedal that that's like, she's going like, oh my God, this is just an angry man. And I've seen, you know, he's calling himself a comedian. I've come to see him do comedy and he's just screaming. <laughs> and like, we'd spent the whole day together. So the idea that she had left was just even more hurtful because like, I felt like we really connected and whatever. And, um, and I'm telling Lou, I'm like, dude, I was here with this girl and I think she's left and she's, and Lou's like, oh, you know, really no fucking way. And I'm messaging her and, and, and then Lou's like, you got to call her. I'm like, I'll call her. And I call her and she hangs up and I'm like, oh my God, she just blanked my call. But then she messaged me and she was like, I'm watching the headliner and she'd moved to another seat, whatever. 
but for a second, I really did believe that she had just left. So, um, <laughs> you know, we hung out. We had a nice time. Um, we saw the Sydney Harbour Bridge at night. We went on a lovely walk. It was great, whatever. But there was a moment when I was like, I've bombed so bad that, you know, I've, I've spent a lovely day hanging out and connecting with this person and they've seen me do comedy and they've just been like, well, I'm just going to leave and never talk to that person again. <laughs> Fuck. So, yeah, that was a nightmare. And then on Saturday, I go to a music store and I'm like, oi, my pedal doesn't work. Give me just what's the best pedal that you can buy. And they're like, this one, it's 80 bucks. You know, it's the top of the line one. And I'm like, great. And I take it home and guess what fucking keyboard it doesn't work on. My keyboard. That's right. No, what was it? No, that's right. I buy it and I use my friend's keyboard because that's already at the comedy store. So I go, I take it there and then eventually I get it to work on my friend's keyboard. But then I take it back and I try and get it to work on my keyboard and it's a different brand to the pedal and the pedal function is inverted. And I read up about it and some pedals have a polarization switch that you can do to make it have the right polarity so that when you press it down, it sustains and when you lift it up, it doesn't. But this pedal doesn't have that function it's only supposed to be used with a Roland keyboard it doesn't work the problem still persists I've been a week every day trying to fix this fucking problem with this goddamn fucking pedal and it's still not fixed add to that so I do my gig on the Sunday with my friend's keyboard and then you know I go to zip it back up in the case that I bought and the case the zip breaks so the case is also broken. So I just fucking put my keyboard in that case, strap it up, throw it in the plane, get it back to Melbourne. So now I've got an $80 pedal that doesn't work with my $350 keyboard and a $100 keyboard case that the zip's broken on. So, you know, when I'm writing a joke about my friend telling me that she tried to, that she tried, she attempted suicide and I'm like, yeah, I've actually thought of killing myself. I'm not being fucking dramatic. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> this is what I mean when I say musical comedy sucks. It's fucking bullshit. <sighs> but here I am trying to combine music and comedy... Fucking hell. It's so upsetting. And I just, I got back from Sydney on Sunday night, worked at Man With A Van Monday, and then today I did tours. And it's been nice to work and just not think about it. And I walk into my room and I look in the corner and there it is, my broken piano case with my shit keyboard and my fucking incompatible sustain pedal. And I just think, why didn't I drive the bus off the Westgate Bridge this afternoon when I had the fucking chance, you know? <clears throat> God damn it. A few weeks ago, I was talking to someone about my podcast and they were like, yeah, sometimes I listen when you looks like you've had a bad week. And I'm like, oh, this will be good. <laughs> when you've had a good week, I'm like, oh, I'll probably 
why would I want to listen to that? Just my mate who's just had a nice time. (laughs) Well, you know what? Maybe I'll put that in the bio. This week, if you like listening when I've had a shit one, fucking have a listen to this one, I reckon. (laughs) Fuck me. What am I going to talk about for the rest of the time? Oh, I'm gonna kill myself. I've got a new bit. That's nice. I did a gig last night and um, told the story about going to my mate's place because I thought she was gonna kill herself, and it did good. And I did some other jokes, and they did fine. But the the suicide thing, I think it's gonna be a bit. I've been trying to build myself up to read out this review that I got at work the other day, and just I guess talk about it. But I don't know if I, I'll read it out. Let's see. I'll read it out and see if it fires me up enough to talk about it for a bit. Here we go. From Darren B on TripAdvisor. Here's the headline. It actually is pretty sick. (laughs) Here's the headline of the review. This is all in bold. No woke virtue signaling nor anti-religious rants on the job, please. Pretty good stuff so far. Here we go. While there wasn't a problem with my experience on the Great Ocean Road trip, there were some issues with our driver, Aiden, that left a sour taste in my mouth. On the upside, I found Aiden very welcoming, friendly, and accommodating to us as a group. However, the problems I encountered were firstly, he was giving acknowledgement to First Nations people as owners of the land. In all fairness to Aiden, maybe he was just honouring company policy, brackets the name of the company I work for, and brackets, full stop. But if that's the case, this will be my first and last time with misspelled name of company. <laughs> also, the punctuation in this is a fucking nightmare, sentences and commas all over the place. Um, that's just a little ad hominem because I don't respect this person or their opinions about my tour anyway. I also went on a day trip to the Mornington Peninsula with a rival company and there was no race politics from their driver. In addition, Aiden was banging on, (laughs) banging on. (laughs) In addition, Aiden was banging on about how mistreated Aboriginals were. (laughs) How's that? That's the sentence right there, isn't it? Where we see the person behind this keyboard. In addition, Aiden was banging on about how mistreated Aboriginals were. Full stop. Full stop there. Let me go back to the... In addition, Aiden was banging on about how mistreated Aboriginals were. Fuck yeah. Regardless of what we believe, I paid for this trip to escape things like the indoctrination of race politics and other stresses of life. And then that's the end of that point for this person. That's it. I didn't pay for this trip to hear about some fucking Aboriginals. I didn't I didn't pay for this trip to hear some fucking some fucking mixed racy dark skin banging on about the Aboriginals. Fuck me. Here's the rest of the review. Returning back, Aiden called for our attention when we stopped outside the church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster to herald the court victory they won for their fight right to tax exemption, exclaiming out a yeah with a fist bump, emphasizing his anti-religious bias. Once again, in fairness, 
Aiden probably assumed that there were no religious people to upset. However, I myself am a practicing Christian and I felt very marginalized after his victory rant. His political slash religious beliefs should not be expressed this way while on the job. All right. The second point first, this person's clearly misheard what I said because am I really going to reply to a review? God, I'm pathetic. Oh my God. I've just read out a review that I received at my job and now I'm going to break it down point by point and reply to it on my podcast. (laughs) What kind of a life is this? (laughs) If I killed myself, it would have been a mercy killing. (laughs) <laughs> rather than live through this fucking indignity oh my god I, this is garbage and when i say this i mean this podcast this life you know jesus christ anyway here i go i've started i might as well <laughs> i might as well just do it so the second point first when they say um uh, to herald the court victory they won for their right to tax exemption, exclaiming out a yeah with a fist bump. There was no court victory or tax exemption. I'd, what I talk about is the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster was founded because of an article that someone wrote 20 years ago where they said, hypothetically, you could say that there was you believe in a flying spaghetti monster that created the universe and that would be as scientifically disprovable as belief in God. And so that thing argued that there should be tax exempt status for that. But there was no court. I never talked about a court battle or anything like that. So this person clearly wasn't listening. And I didn't exclaim the year that they won the court battle that I wasn't talking. What I said year to was that the people who call themselves, they, they say they worship the flying spaghetti monster. They call themselves pastafarians. And I think that's funny. And so that's what I was saying yeah to. Isn't that funny? To believe in the flying spaghetti monster and then call yourself a pastafarian. Ha ha. Yeah. (laughs) But you know what? Maybe that still emphasizes my anti-religious bias. Maybe I'm mocking religion and, you know, endorsing the mockery of religion of people calling themselves pastafarians. That's a bit disrespectful, I guess. So, hey, maybe you're right. The other part, though, the first part, I guess what I kind of wanted to talk about, and I don't really feel like this right now, but the person that I would like to be is like this person, right? When they say Aiden was banging on about how mistreated Aboriginals were, this person, from that, I'm inferring that they don't believe that Aboriginals were mistreated. And, I mean, what they said here, didn't they? Um, however, the problems I encountered were firstly, he was giving acknowledgement to First Nations people as owners of the land. So they they have a problem with the fact that I acknowledge that First Nations people are the traditional owners of the land. Which, I mean, it's it's a fact, isn't it? The people that were here first traditionally owned the land. I guess with semantics, you could say that they didn't because they didn't have the concept of ownership in their society. But now we're really getting in the weeds, aren't we? I'm just acknowledging that there were people here before. White people, man. I don't know why you have a problem with that, right? 
that's what they're saying there. But but like the person that I would like to be <sighs> is someone who doesn't push that person away because they have different beliefs. Because they, by the sounds of it, don't think that First Nations people have any right to live on the land, which I really don't understand how you can believe that. But that's what they believe. They believe that Aboriginal people weren't mistreated and they believe that they don't own the land. All right. That's their beliefs. Now, I think, and actually from the book that I read by an Indigenous man talking about Indigenous thought and, and you know, he says that we should listen to all thoughts and beliefs and opinions however marginal they are which means this person's opinion is just as valid as someone else's opinion right or maybe not just as valid but there's something that we can learn from it and i think it would be cool to try and take something on from what this person's saying and what they're saying there i think is because when i say i acknowledge the traditional owners of the land i got to admit I am a little bit on autopilot. I'm just kind of saying the words that are given to us as words that we say so that we can tick the box of acknowledging Indigenous people. And I don't want to do that. I kind of want to engage with it a bit more. And also, right, I think when I say those words, any person who feels attacked by the kind of progressive movement to include Indigenous people in Australian society, there are people out there who feel attacked by that, who feel like when we say there were Indigenous people here first and actually it's really shitty that that English people and Europeans who came here killed them and mistreated them. Some people hear that and they feel personally attacked by that. They go, well, I didn't do it and fuck you. Because for whatever reason, they're unable to accept two truths one that they're a person who was born in australia and you know they can be a good person but also two their ancestors definitely murdered indigenous people you know i mean i'm that i'm sure that my family have been in south australia since at some points the 1850s there's no fucking way that someone in my family in South Australia, in the last, you know, 170 years, didn't murder or mistreat some Indigenous people. I'm sure that happened. And that's shitty. And I'm sorry. And even if they didn't, which they did, <clears throat> I'm still the beneficiary of, you know, like my grandpa bought a farm in Southeast South Australia in the 1960s that was owned by the the first white person to own it bragged to have killed 800 aboriginal people and so the ownership of that farm was predicated on the deaths of 800 aboriginal people and my grandpa bought that farm and raised my mum and auntie on that farm and that's where i come from you know so like i am a direct beneficiary of the deaths of indigenous people 100 percent, i am that doesn't mean i'm a piece of shit that doesn't mean i'm a bad person but I'd like to take ownership of that. But some people are threatened by the, you know, some people can't see those two facts existing side by side. Some people feel threatened by it, I think. And I think that's where this is coming from. 
is this is a kind of person who when you say there were indigenous people here first and fuck maybe i just got to tell a personal story maybe i have to tell fuck that's it that's it i can tell a personal story i can talk about how my grandfather bought a farm and the person who he bought that farm off, that guy's granddad or dad or whatever it was, I can't remember, claimed to have murdered 800 Indigenous people. I'm going to email my grandpa about this. Because <clears throat> what I've been thinking about the tour is I think I'm so lucky to be the, I guess, the kind of gatekeeper or whatever of gatekeeper, you know, like keeper or, or just like a messenger of Australian culture and society to these people who come to our country. I think it's a really privileged position that I have and I feel a responsibility to do justice to our society and our culture. And um, when I got this review, it upset me because I feel like I'm trying to do something here and this person didn't like it. But I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I should take on board their criticisms. And I think what it was, was when I spoke about Indigenous people, I was kind of on autopilot. I was just using the words that were given to me because I'm in the arts industry and we do acknowledgement of country at the start of shows, you know, just if we're honest with ourselves to tick a box. And rather than do that, I think it would both serve and honor my purposes in a more kind of truthful way and also at the same time not be a kind of like semantic trigger to someone who feels threatened by the acknowledgement of indigenous people that there's no way this person could write this review and go i didn't like how i didn't acknowledge the indigenous owners of the land there's no way they could write this review if i grounded my acknowledgement in a personal story from my family they couldn't disagree with it. If I said my grandfather bought a farm in the southeast of South Australia off of someone who bragged to have killed 800 Indigenous people in their life. And in that way, I am a direct beneficiary of the murder of Indigenous people. And that story is not a unique story in this country. This whole country is founded on stories like that. And that's why it's important that we try and talk about indigenous culture and learn about it and the indigenous people that are still here talk to them and figure out what they want and figure out how we can make a country together that honors what they want and still is also like honors what we want as Australians being born here and we can kind of work together to make a fucking thing if I said that there's no way Darren B could ever have a problem with it and if he did I reckon then I'm well within my rights to tell him to go fuck himself <laughs> which is if we're honest with ourselves what i really want to do <laughs> but first i think i should hear out what he's trying to say because there's something behind it and um you know what very conveniently the church of the flying spaghetti monster i went on the tour today and where it was there was a sign out the front of it i went past today and the sign was gone just kind of weird and a little bit sad and i wonder what happened but you know one way or another i guess i won't be telling that story anymore so there won't be any risk of any anti-religious bias darren b yeah all right well look i think that's the end of the podcast for this week um 
what am I going to call it? Um, I called. I already called one grumpy. Maybe I'll call this one grumpier. <laughs> That's pretty funny, isn't it? Grumpier. And the podcast is going to be... Oh, you know what makes you feel nice when you're feeling grumpy? I'm fucking turned around on animals, man. I fuck with animals. Animals are cool as shit. Do I want a picture of my friend's cat? Yeah, why not? The picture this week is going to be a picture of my friend's cat at the house where I was staying. Nah, nah. Oh, or some flowers. Nah, some flowers actually. Yeah, some flowers. I, t- I got my friend some flowers for letting me stay at her place. And she has a fish tank and we put fish in the vase with the flowers. And then I took a photo of that. And that was nice. Oh, you know what? It's going to be a photo of my friend taking a photo of the flowers. Yep. People taking photos. Done. The title of this week's podcast is Grumpier. And the photo is my mate taking a photo of the flowers that I got her. And that's the podcast for the end of this week. I've just solved racism in Australia. Um, musical comedy is fucked. And um, one day I'm really going to follow through on it and fucking kill myself. This has been Aiden Jones, sitting under a tree. Peace. Oh, my days. Well, look, I hope you guys are okay. Is everyone okay? Because this... Oh my god, let me tell you mate, I am at the end of my fucking tether! <laughs> it has been a week! I'm, uh, I want to play some piano for you guys, and um... That's the situation. <laughs> I grew up playing classical piano, I love it. I, uh, I started when I was 11, and then... I auditioned for the conservatory in Adelaide where I grew up when I was 17 and I didn't get in, I didn't learn my bark like a fucking idiot, I know. And uh, I know, stupid man, fucking huge ones, exactly. And now I, I drifted away from it, I started focusing more on MDMA, it was a big focus for me at the time. I was very interested in the philosophical implications of five letters for 20 bucks, you know? What does that mean for us? <laughs> And I started playing again in lockdown. I live in Melbourne. Melbourne. <laughs> I reckon fucking whoever that American was, say it Melbourne. I think it's pathetic. Well, you know when people are like, when people come back from France and they're like, oh, I was just over in Marseille. And you're like, fuck off, cunt. Just say it how you say it. You're right. I would hate to hear like, I was just over in Melbourne. Like that's gross, don't you think? <laughs> Anyway, um, I want to play some piano for you, and uh, the reason I'm freaking out is because my pedal isn't working. That should keep playing, but my pedal's fucked. I got a new keyboard because I thought it was the keyboard, and then I got up here, and I realised the fucking piano's cunted, you know? So, Blue Wall's just walking over there, so you're going to love this. I also want to let you guys know that what I'm about to do is not musical comedy. I'm not going to do musical comedy. I know some of you guys like musical comedy. That's fine. I think it's very difficult what musical comedians do is to write beautiful music and great jokes and then put them together in a song. It's so difficult that that's why none of them have ever achieved that successfully. <laughs> I, think. I genuinely think what they do is garbage and I fucking hate it, all right? 
swimming suits on. You know what I mean? I just don't think the world needs another silly song about fucking depression or climate change, you know? To me, musical comedy is like the tomato in a full English breakfast. If it disappeared tomorrow, no one would care. Like you, you wouldn't even notice. You'd be like, wasn't there something like, don't worry about it, I'm eating bacon right now. And in that analogy, bacon is actual comedy, okay? So... <laughs> I just think, I'm not doing musical comedy, this is music and comedy, alright? I'm gonna play you Chopin's Nocturne in E flat major, and that's not funny at all. And then I'm gonna do some jokes, and you know, we'll see about those as well. No pedal. <laughs> Chopin sucks without the pedal. And what I want to do instead of anything that I was planning to do, I think I want to do this, and then I think I want to do something else. Uh, rather than do, who said no pedal? Who said no pedal? Are you a pianist? Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Do you play classical? A little bit, a little bit. How much of a fucking nightmare is it with no pedal? I thought of this today because the pedal's been fucking up, and I was like, what if I did this? Rather than play Chopin in the 12-8 that it's written in, time signatures, any round of applause, any musicians? <laughs> One, someone said no over there, and we've already counted you. Rather than play Chopin without the pedal and make it fucking disgusting, I thought I would play it in like a kind of swing jazz style, you know? Like in 4-4. Four, four. So I'm just going to surprise you guys with a bit of information. <laughs> can you, and I really want you to think hard about this, can you tell that I've been fired from 14 jobs in my life? <laughs> yes? What the fuck? <laughs> That's a lot of it, 14 men. It's a fucking... I, sometimes I think like... Because obviously, you know, it's a lot... I'm really starting to think maybe I'm the problem. But it's like... Maybe it's not. Maybe jobs are fucked. Maybe fucking... Sometimes I see politicians on the news and they're like, we're making more jobs. I'm like, stop! Why? We hate those! You're taking credit for that? You're dumb! <laughs> I got fired from one was Coles. I worked at Coles when I was 18. We got fired for me and my mate were doing a volleyball with toilet rolls over the aisles. Yeah, and my uh, 
that cameras are in every second aisle. So in the morning, my boss fired us and they showed us the footage was in my mate's aisle, but not in my aisle. The camera had my mate hitting it over, no footage, and then it just comes back. <laughs> they were like, we know it was you. I was like, you don't, hey, it was the customer. They loved it, they were having a good time. <laughs> It hurts getting fired from a job, man. Not as much as it hurts when you fuck me! By <laughs> <laughs> getting fired, that's the second most painful thing that I've endured. <laughs> if you've never been fired, I don't know if any of you guys have been fired. It's, it's kind of like being broken up with. It's someone going, you're not good enough, get fucked. But the difference is, at least if you get fired, the government does come through with a bit of assistance for you. Do you know what I mean? If you're looking for work, they check, 10 jobs a fortnight, and then they go, good for you. Now here's a bit of cash to get you through that period. It's not heaps, but it's enough, you know? I think it'd be really cool to have the same level of support if you've been broken up with. It hurts in the same way, the rejection, you're at home, you miss them and there's a knock. And it's a guy in a suit with a clipboard. He's like, all right, mate, you doing okay? Apparently you do. You looking for love? Ten dates this fortnight? Good stuff, all right, come here. Pick you off, now come here. Let me give you a little kiss. To help you through maybe a massage. Nothing below the belt, I think that's fair. Taxpayers not paying for that. You know if you put that forward, someone would be unhappy. It's not enough. Someone's always like, it's not enough. They should get more support. They shouldn't just get a kiss. They need blowjobs as well. It's not fair. Or some kind of eating out situation on the pussy, I think. It's not fair. And then someone else is like, they're not getting fucking blowjobs. My tax dollars will not be paid for blowjobs for these fucking layabouts. And then they're arguing online, you don't understand what it's like because you, you grew up with blowjobs in your family, so how can you possibly understand? My dad worked hard for those blowjobs. My grandfather came to this country, he didn't know what a blowjob was! And he died with his dick in someone's mouth, and that's why this country... That's what I believe, really. Thank you guys very much. Thank you.